Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we arrive at what has been building up for several weeks now, the night Jesus was betrayed, arrested, and condemned to death. The book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 43 through 52, will be our focus this week. It's already been a disappointing night of performance by the disciples. Some of them had talked a big game about standing with Jesus and and even dying with him if need be, but when game time arrived, they were found weak and wanting. And now the armed crowd, led by Judas, arrived to arrest Jesus. What happened then was quite a scene, packed full of activity. Judas kissed and betrayed. Peter attacked. Jesus healed, peacefully submitted, and displayed the power of his spoken word. The disciples fled in fear and confusion, and someone didn't have time first to put on any clothes. Pastor Jim will be taking us through the events of that night and conclude with some personal applications from what we learn, including today's segment of the sermon entitled, Betrayed and Arrested. I picture Jesus, if they hadn't bound his arms, and they may have had a rope around him or something, I I picture him raising a hand to quiet the crowd, because you could have pictured a fight breaking out when a guy whips out a sword and, you know, whacks off somebody's ear. Um, They, of course, would stop. Why? Because the last time Jesus said something, they all wound up on the ground. Remember, he's in charge here. He is running this show. Then I picture Jesus, this is not in the Bible, I think it would be a great touch if Jesus picked up the ear off the ground, you know, and put it back on. Luke just says he touched the ear and healed it. I think, I think the guy got a brand new ear out of the, out of the deal. Um, Matthew's record then includes more. This time we go to Matthew 26, verses 52 to 54. If you read a harmony of the Gospels, you can see all of this weaves together perfectly. Matthew 26, starting at verse 52. Then Jesus said to him, to Peter, put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? How then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen this way? How many is a legion? Oh, 6,000. So Jesus is saying, look, if I wanted to, I could call 72,000 angels. He could have called more than that. He could have called all the angels if he, if he wanted to. He'd already shown with the two words, I am. He didn't need anything more than a word to squash this whole, mo- this whole mob. So he's speaking hyperbole to make the point for Peter. Peter, uh, put that thing away. Nice try. That's not what we're here for. So he let Peter know that he was fully in charge. He, had, he let Peter and all the rest know that everything happening there was the will of God. It was unfolding exactly just as it had been revealed earlier in the Word of God. 
Jesus was not the victim of this mob. Jesus was not a victim for any split second of his life. He went voluntarily to the cross, even though those who led him there were desperately wicked. Jesus was sinlessly using the sinfulness of all the people who were there to do evil. And it was, there are the words right there, so that the scriptures be fulfilled. Well, it's unfolding before us, the mob, the kiss, the melee. Now the absurdity. Look at verses 48 and 49. And Jesus said to them, okay, so put the, put the sequence of things together. The mob shows up. Jesus steps out. Whom do you seek? Jesus the Nazarene. Knocks them on their backsides. They get up. Uh, um, who, who'd you say? Jesus the Nazarene. Well, uh, that's me. I'm here. What, what's, what's all the fuss about? And then the, the, um, the whip out the sword thing, and, and there, there could have been a brawl. They're easily, humanly speaking, there easily um, could have, have been. And Jesus ends that, quashes the melee, puts the ear back together. And then he says, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would arrest a robber? Every day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but this has taken place to fulfill the Scriptures. He's pointing out the absurdity. Look, I've just illustrated your cowardice. If it's so important, if I must die, why didn't you come get me when I was in public? It's absurd. The show of force beyond that is utterly ridiculous. On the one hand, it was totally unnecessary to bring that much force to arrest one unarmed, peaceful man. But don't forget, on the other hand, they couldn't begin to cope with his power, so there weren't enough armed men in the world to be able to arrest Jesus. He went voluntarily. He yielded himself to the will of God to go to the cross. Even anticipating how horrible that time of sin-bearing was going to be, even when he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The anticipation was excruciating, but he went there willingly Nevertheless, there is the mob, the kiss, the melee, the absurdity. Finally, the escapees. Jesus didn't escape this situation, but a whole lot of people did. Mark 14, verse 50. And they all left him and fled. The disciples, the remaining 11, they left him and fled. Now, on the one hand... Them fleeing was the corollary to Jesus protecting them. He'd made them specify, it's Jesus the Nazarene we want. He said, okay, then let my guys go. So he'd gotten them out of the way. In a sense, he was even using their own fear and their littleness of faith to get them out of harm's way at the moment. On the other hand, though, realize this was the first stage of the process 
that was going to turn those men into mighty instruments in the hand of God for furthering His program. They were going to be the ones who would be the foundation upon which the church would be built. It was a tumultuous night. It was a night of agony for those 11 men. Their agony would extend through the next two days and nights until the morning of the resurrection. I think it would be a safe thing to surmise that probably the only sleep any of them got that night was their three little naps in the Garden of Gethsemane. I can't imagine them sleeping any more than that. All the disciples left him and fled. Now, our passage includes three more verses, or two more verses, I should say. You know, three more verses. Um, It's about the cowardice of a young man who was not one of the apostles. It's mentioned here in Mark. It's not in Matthew, it's not in Luke, and it's not in John. Mark 14, 51 and 52. I think it's 51 and, and 52. Yes, it is. A young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him. But he pulled free of the linen sheet and escaped naked. Now, if you've been around for a while, if you've heard people preach through the Gospels, you may have heard that this was Mark himself. People say that because it is included only in Mark's Gospel. So they speculate that Mark mentions himself here as a follower of Jesus Christ, who also panicked that night, but this is Mark's way of of validating that he was an eyewitness of at least some of these things. Now, that can make for persuasive preaching, as long as you're willing to base your preaching on what the Bible doesn't say. Does it say it's Mark? No. So we don't know it's Mark. And if anybody says, we know this is Mark, they're making stuff up. But if you're going to make something up, oh, you can turn this into a great story. You can build on that fictional account by by adding that, here's another theory, that maybe the mob first went to Mark's mother Mary's house. We know Mark's mother was named Mary. We know she had a house in Jerusalem. That's where the group was that Peter went to when Peter was released from prison, Acts chapter chapter 12. That maybe the group went to her house first to search for Jesus and, oh, it, it gets even better, as long as you're making stuff up, you can say, that's probably where they had the Passover meal. Now, you can go full Hollywood style adaptation while you're making stuff up. You can include a scene where Mark is tossing and turning in bed. He hears this noise. He suspects what might be happening, and he hurries to follow the multitude. And and in your made-up scene, you can show Mark grabbing a linen sheet and hastily wrapping it around himself as he jumps out of bed and, and, and runs out the door. You can say how he escapes capture and he runs away, and in so doing, his his covering is pulled off, and he's left wearing nothing at all, or at least nothing but undergarments. Choose which one of those you want, whether you want your movie to be PG or PG-13, how you want to make it. Listen, all that about Mark is made up. No one knows that. 
Well, I suppose Mark does, but he's not here telling us in person. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.